mean, is there going to be like just a completely total Marvel wash? The NSA too, like come drown down the drain and going back to what everything was. Oh, I came up with a huge, huge, huge theory since DC's been kind of keeping all this under wraps since New 52 and Watchmen. Now, I was talking with Robert about this yesterday, too, because I kind of came to an epiphany the other night, because he's a huge DC fan, too, and I go, did you realize what New 52 did and then Rebirth has done to the DC universe? The original Crisis never happened. Oh, wow. Crisis on Infinite Earth, because sure. the flashpoint, they took out seven years of time, Dr. Manhattan, they said, in DC Rebirth, and when he came back in time to the New 52, things were different. Sure. But then in Rebirth, they announced that Dr. Manhattan and Oz took out seven years of time to try to create chaos amongst the DC universe. Wow. So that's why the, the reintroduction of Wally West is a big deal. He's Kid Flash when he comes back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I go, oh, he didn't inherit the mantle because Barry, Barry Allen, Allen never, never died. died. Yes. Wow. And I'm kind of going, DC's just kind of like throwing this under the rug and kind of like making us think this through. Mm -hmm. That Final Crisis was the last crisis, but if that crisis never happened, they can come do another crisis. Sure. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind and you're of going, thinking Bendis could spearhead the crisis. Bendis could, he's, there's a, there's a lot of things DC got planned coming up. I mean, sure. supposedly there was the leak that he might be doing a Batman book. Well, Boy, it's me. That's another thing me and Robert were talking about too, because Robert's a huge DC fan. Robert is our one of our uh, top staff members at the store. If you guys are asking who Robert is, come in and talk to him. He's a great <laughs> he guy. He's a great guy. He oh, and if you're DC. if you're wondering, you're listening to uh, Drawn to Comics, the podcast about a couple of guys drawn to comics. We're dropping right into our conversation about the Brian Michael Bendis transfer from yes. Marvel to DC, and we're recording at Bitsy Mama's, a mm. wonderful Mexican restaurant in downtown Glendale, not far from Ken's store, Drawn to Comics. Yeah, they. they in Glendale, Arizona. I can shout, and they could probably hear me if they're outside from our store. <laughs> <laughs> the bacon and egg special! Yeah! Get back to work, guys! Double bacon, right, kid? Yeah! <laughs> Love my bacon. Pigs everywhere. I'm sorry, but it's just bacon. I can't can't help you guys taste so good. Love bacon. Before I press to record, everybody, just so you know, Ken was on a rant that ended with, Pigs are the Mary Magdalene. <laughs> Of animals. <laughs> I'm going to be in purgatory a long time if pigs are, you know, the, the God Almighty's favorite animal. Because, you know, it's not their fault they roll around in mud all day. Oh it's us God. because we make them into bacon. <laughs> and for whatever reason, we can't keep them in a nice clean area to get this, you know, nice clean, pure bacon. we got to have them roll around on their old slops. So we can get ham out of them and bacon out of them and pork out oh, of them. It's the flavor. It comes it's from the, their own marinade. They're marinating themselves in oh, their own mess, and it's delicious. Yeah, the perfect animal i don't care about thanksgiving and turkeys dude christmas and the hams scrambled eggs and bacon i'm telling you like pork ribs pork chops is there a better animal out there if you eat flesh than the pig apologies to all of our vegetarian and vegan listeners i'm literally crying you guys have no have no idea that's just a taste of Ken's rant from earlier. My <laughs> eyes are still watering from how absolutely ridiculous Yeah, and don't worry. You can't find me in any improvs. Don't worry. No one wants to put me on stage. I, I, I've been dreaming of this for years, but course, no, 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 dude. You're too goofy looking, man. No one's going to laugh at you. You're going to get up there. You're going to freeze up. They and, will laugh at you. That's Yeah, exactly. Instead of like ice cubes, you'll just like froze. You'll be frozen. <laughs> oh, well, it's all good, you guys. You can get us here on the Drawn Comics podcast. <laughs> Extra humor for no extra charge, no $10 cover, no three-drink minimum. Just come on in and listen to me and Rusty. We'll make you laugh and talk about comics and, and pop talk culture. About comics. That's what we were doing. We were talking about Bendis. And what were you just going to say? That uh, they leaked maybe he was going to work on a Batman book, yeah. but they pulled that tweet. Suppose like that. Our diehard fans that come into the store tell me information all day long. Whether it's true or not, I hope it is. But, you know, the internet is full of 100% accuracy. We've all found out in the past 20 years. You're right. And Al Gore, I said, too, the father of the internet. Absolutely. I, I think that's even urban legend, too. Oh, sure. And, boy, it's all... Oh, Someone mentioned to me yesterday, because this news broke on Tuesday, and we're here Thursday morning at Bitsy Mama's, getting served the amazing-looking food. Mm -hmm. And I said, too, the pigs, I'm sorry. Oh, my but, gosh. Oh, my gosh, that. dude. <laughs> Six strips of bacon at Bitsy Mama's that are cooked to perfection. So come down, listen to the podcast, get some comics, talk about what we're talking about, go get some breakfast, and just chill. 
with all this bacon. Ken has a small pig's worth of bacon <laughs> on his plate right now. Unbelievable, oh, man. man. They treat dude. you well here. Yes, dude. If you guys don't like potatoes, I can't eat them. But, you know, they may be kind of stale by time yet. <laughs> if you want my potatoes, Russ, dude, I, I can't do potatoes. On oh, okay. Actually, I, yeah, I might double down on them. I, I, I got some. I'll take yours and... Uh, I, I go got, home happy. I gotta choose between this one large pancake or this this, this great group of hash browns. But I think I'm gonna go with the one large pancake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're talking about readers coming yeah. into the store, they're sharing rumors with you. But Bendis um, supposedly was uh, tweeted about excited to work on the bat. And oh, wow. I can't confirm if those were the exact words, but they said the person that told me said, yeah, they had to take it down like right away, so he had to delete it. And my guess is, like, DC's got to announce it first. Well, of course. It's got to come Bendis. from the company, right? Yeah, and I've heard about that from different people, too, as well. I mean, did a, uh, a panel with Kyle Higgins one time about DC rogues, Batman rogues, and people were asking questions that he couldn't confirm. And I goes, well, you know what? So I saw it on a news site, mm. and mm-hmm. it says, you know what? Until it's announced by DC, it can't be confirmed, and I don't oh. know anything about it. I'm going, wow, okay. So that kind of confirms the fact of, like, Bendis was a little bit excited about you know what he was doing, mm-hmm. but as soon as someone saw that DC dude, you got to take that down, man. And I can well, totally I saw see that, that stack of uh, graphic novels he posted. He was doing a little, a little reading, rereading as he put it, but just kind of catching up. And some of the novels that caught my eye on that stack were uh, Justice League International, the mm. old Wahaha uh, days, mm-hmm. some Batman, a lot of Superman stuff. So I mean, he's taking a comprehensive look at the whole DCU. And based on what he's done with Marvel in the last, what, how long has he been there? 18 years? Yeah, 2000, at least. What do you think, um, based on what he's done, what do you think he is looking at? What do you think DC's really wanting to use his skills for? Um, you mentioned Crisis. I mean, he's great at those multi you know, multi-title company crossovers, House of M, Civil War II. What else? Uh, for his, I think, someone that really needs a legacy reboot, and Jeff Johns got really close. I'm sorry, Marvel. That's a that's that's a that's a Marvel term right now. A rebirth mm. at DC Universe mm. would. I would love to see Bendis take on Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Whoa! Because be that cool. is a characters that are just. There's a huge kind of like cult fan base for the characters. They're a great kind of Quantum and Woody mm-hmm. type. If you take something from another company, Valiant, Power Man, and Iron Fist sure. type of from Marvel, where. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are kind of like the D-listers, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, no disrespect like the to D-listers, Booster Gold. Um, D-listers of a, the world's finest, like a Batman, Superman. Yeah, Batman, Superman. That's yes, the so, buddy sorry, team dude. DC always puts up front. And every now and then they drop in Wonder Woman and call it a trinity. But mm-hmm. I think when it comes to like two good buddies who are relatively powerful, but ultimately kind of pratfallish, right? And the stuff they do has ramifications universe-wide thanks to time travel and science. It's those two guys. Yes. And, yeah, they're often underplayed. Blue Beetle goes through, you know, all this copyright stuff, and uh, can we use Ted Cord after all, you know, because mm. he was sorely lacking from the Justice League uh, Unlimited series, the cartoon series, and having those two guys together would have been awesome on screen. Yes. Uh, I think Brave and Bold, Batman Brave and Bold. Were they, or was that, that they had Jaime Reyes in that though, and that's the thing. Jaime Reyes took over the mantle right when all of this small screen adaptation was happening. So a lot of the Blue Beetle stuff we saw on TV was Jaime Reyes. Jaime Reyes. Mm-hmm. You see him in Smallville, uh, Batman: Brave and Bold. That's right. Um, Young Justice, even. And that's so. True. Yeah, you know, Ted. And, yeah, and both either Ted Cord or Jaime Reyes. If you want to turn the guy that's into the Spider-Man of the DC universe, Jaime Reyes is that guy. Oh, interesting. He's like the Miles Morales. He's the Miles the Morales. Universe. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, well put. You have the mentor, Blue Beetle. If you can have like that Ted Cord, Jaime Reyes development there, like the Peter Parker, Miles Morales. Man, why is that, Ken? You, met, you say that, and it's like, Miles Morales got such big press. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, stuff like that's been happening in comics for a while now. Jaime Reyes is a great example. Mm-hmm. That completely flew under the radar as far as having a, an Whoa. ethnic heir to a classic superhero mantle. And was it Jaime Reyes before Miles Morales, or was it around the same time frame? I just want to say around like the, the same time They were reactionary to each other. Really? And it felt like that. Okay, at the same time Jaime Reyes was hitting, Miles Morales was hitting. But Miles is the one that really took off, maybe because Spider-Man's more mainstream character, oh, yeah. a household name, and how dare you kill Peter Parker, even if it's not ours, it's the ultimate Peter Parker. You've killed a Peter Parker. 
you've given this stranger to us well, the Blue, title. Well, Blue Beetle was kind of like Steve Ditko's response to Spider-Man, because he left to Charlton, and Ditko was the guy that created the Blue Beetle. After Spider-Man? Yeah, because after, I think, Blue Beetle was created about 66, 67 hmm. at Charlton. And, uh, you know, it was uh, Blue Beetle, I mean, the Scarab, and the more or less, the, the, the re-packaging of Blue Beetle, I felt, was more Spider-Man than the original Blue Beetle with Jay Garrick, I think his name, or Jay Garrick? Jay Garrick's a Flash. Um, Jay, Jay Garrick, I, I know Dan, similar, Dan Garrett. Dan Garrett. Yes, okay. I remember, like, similar names, too. And uh, they're comic book historians yelling at their iPods, mm-hmm. phones, or computers right now because we're a couple years yeah. off here or there. But you guys get the, the spirit of this. Well, you it's it's the bacon about. talking, okay, guys? <laughs> if you have this much good bacon for you, your mind is going to like that bacon, bacon, blue beetle, blue bacon. <laughs> you guys, if you can see this bacon too, I'm going to take a picture of it actually. Oh, it man. is like it's crisp, crisp to perfection. perfection. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Here we go. Okay, hold on. Let me get it. Let me get the shot. This is cool podcasting. Uh, and there we go. You can find so, that on my Instagram at Amazing Easy Comics. So awesome! Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you guys, uh, you know, if I have heart problems, I blame the bacon. Ken <laughs> drops dead in the middle of but, this podcast. But thank you, doctors, for giving me the clear bell health. Like, hey, dude, cut down the sugars, eat more bacon. Who? <laughs> what doctor tells you that? I love my doctor. <laughs> Doctor of the Year. So good. The perfect food, if you can eat salt, is bacon. <laughs> if I can make bacon into salt and sprinkle it on everything, which is called bacon bits well, for have, most people. Yeah, and I think there is a bacon salt. There's actually. a bacon salt? I, I could be wrong, but if not, copyright here, drawn to comics, um, drawn to comics podcast, we have secured... Bacon salt. The bacon salt copyright, but I'm pretty sure it It's probably already done. Yeah. I found bacon sausage. Have you seen that? Bacon sausage? Yeah, it was, it was over in the frozen food department. That's like saying Coca-Cola juice. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Coke Shasta. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, Coke is the bacon and Shasta is the sausage. <laughs> no disrespect to sausage or Shasta for that matter. But, you know, sausage needs extra flavoring. Bacon, I don't know what it is, but you can just slice bacon off a pig and it's already perfection if you oh cook it right. Oh my gosh. Wow. Sausage, you need to put some seasoning, maybe some sage. Maybe you could put a little bit of, like, black pepper in there. Put some Cajun <laughs> spices in there. It still doesn't taste good without these seasons. We got the bad part of the pig here. Let's make it taste good. We need to change the name of this podcast. Just Drawn to Bacon. Drawn to Bacon podcast. Pig life. Pig life. <laughs> hashtag pig life. Oh, my gosh. That's You know that's going on that picture I just took. Of you. Hashtag pig life. <laughs> Dude, I'm afraid dude, to see what other pictures the most underrated animal in all of history. I don't think it's underrated, but uh, um, under I don't know, I guess not underappreciated. The most, uh, the most uh, revered, uh, maybe, revered, so yeah, revered. because in, in certain cultures, they won't even like the pig is kosher, eat. yeah, yeah they, they, won't they won't eat the pig, yeah, they won't eat the pig because that's said too. This, this animal, I don't know, as I said too, it's the, the new generation sheep. <laughs> it's the new generation <laughs> <laughs> I want to herd pigs. <laughs> Go out there with a stick and be the shepherd of pigs. <laughs> Except every day your flock would be one less and you'd be a couple pounds heavier. And finally it's like, hey, you know what? Are you really shepherding these pigs? We're just rounding them up and eating them, Ken Brown. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Meanwhile, comic book fans saw that we were talking about Bendis, and we've spent seven out of the last 14 minutes talking about bacon. <laughs> the perfect animal, pigs. <laughs> Sorry, Brian Michael. Yes, Brian Michael Bendis. I'm still mad about you leaving Marvel, sir. This is what you get. 18-year legacy, sir. I was hoping you get to issue 250 of Ultimate Spider-Man, or if now it's been, how do we say, Ultimate Spider-Man, Marvel Comics Ultimate Spider-Man, uh... Spider-Man now. Did they renumber Ultimate Spider-Man? Or yeah, it started this the legacy, week at uh, 234. I'm sorry, last week, issue 234 came out. Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, wow. so I'm saying 16 more issues that I hope you have in the can to get to 250 before you said, you know what, DC, I'm jumping ship yeah, and coming to join you. Yeah, nice, you know, just to get that 
round celebratory number yeah. under his belt, kind of. Can you imagine like two forty six, my last issue. Right, so close. I know I'm going. What is going on? But we've seen writers do that before. That's happened. I leave different. the company and they finish yeah. off their stories. Yeah. Um, but man, dude, two hundred fifty issues were projecting. We guess that to do the math plus or minus five or six however many that he had done before deciding to make this move, but I'm sure he had his plots written out to get to that anniversary issue. I hope so. And hopefully, you know, turn over the reins. I don't know who would replace Bendis on Miles Morales because that's a tough, tough, tough find. And like that, you know, he, as I said too, 250 issues in a row at Marvel. I think that's unheard of, dude. Claremont didn't even do that on X-Men. Wow, really? Stan Lee didn't do that on Fantastic Four. Wow. Um, it's 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 unprecedented. I know like that. Um, I think Bagley stopped about an issue or two short of Kirby's record on Fantastic Four with oh, Stanley. Really? And did he do that out of respect, not to beat the record? I think so. Really? Yeah, Interesting. I might, I, you might want to double check on that too. But I know that Bendis and Bagley stayed together to match Stanley and Jack Kirby's run on Fantastic Four before wow. Kirby left Fantastic Four. I didn't Four. realize that. It's very admirable. And then uh, Bagley took off after the Ultimate Clone Saga mm-hmm. was over. I think it was issue like 106. Sure, that sounds about right to me. Sure. And I can't remember like that. What was, when did Jack Kirby leave Fantastic Four? 109? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I could be off there, but... Yeah, early 100s. But I'm pretty sure Bagley left in respect to Kirby. That's awesome. Speaking That's of like that, the year of Kirby, I mean, the 100th anniversary of Kirby. Right. Your uh, live, not live, I'm sorry. Well, recorded, recorded live. On, on location at <laughs> yes. Dronda Comics. Thank you for mentioning it. Kirby for a Day is on YouTube right now. You so can search fun. for Kirby for a Day at Kazbro, K-A-Z-B-R-O Productions. Because my brother and I are working on it, and our last name is Kazmir, so I get it. So that's on YouTube right now. And it was recorded at Ken's store the weekend of Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. It's four artists doing the 24-hour comic challenge in honor of the King of Comics and his centennial anniversary of life um, and legacy, I should say, at least. And, uh, yeah, it was a great time, and thanks for letting us have it. There. No problem, dude. I mean, I love any time we could, like, more or less challenge Nick Spencer's <laughs> attempt to make Captain America a villain. Yeah, right. <laughs> And do it in real life with uh, Steve Rogers of yeah. Arizona. <laughs> I mean, hey, dude, it's like that. We, when we can accomplish things like that, I, I think we're in pretty good, uh, pretty good group of, pretty good group of, I guess, how would you say, uh, talents or yeah, creatives, talents, yeah. uh, artistic expression. I mean, this has been a hell of a year for Kirby stuff. Ragnarok is a blatant nod to Kirby's visual design in a lot of respects. Inhumans are on TV. Um, the Inhumans are on TV. Uh, Justice League is featuring Steppenwolf as the villain right out of Kirby's New God Saga. Um, Mr. Miracle's selling out for the first time in about 20 absolutely, years. Absolutely, right. Um, you know, the Bendis move and his legacy run on Marvel rivaling Kirby is, is a bit of a nod, too, to just the concept of uh, writers and artists having that kind of impact like Kirby did. So, good Lord, man. I mean, this has been a heck of a year to celebrate... Uh, the king of comics, but just comics in general. We were talking about all the stuff that's happening right now. It's, it's been an insane year. I said, too, it's like that. Paul just to go back to Bendis again, but that news, Marvel just started their legacy this year. They're yeah, renumbering. Absolutely. And if there's a guy that is going to be remembered 20 years from now, we talked about this a couple podcasts back, mm-hmm. Bendis is the flagship guy for Marvel. I mean, everyone thought like John Romita Jr. signing with DC was like, oh my God, the earth is falling, the sure. sky is falling. Yeah. John Romita Jr. is like finally leaving the legacy of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Now you got Bendis going to DC, and I kind of think that there had to be like a reason why DC made that a, like a focus. We got to get Bendis, and and maybe because I said too is like that. I don't think that. Bendis ever had any intention of he was the Jeff Johns to Marvel as Jeff Johns was to DC. Sure. Wow. Right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like that. Yeah. Jeff so what Johns, does that mean for DC to have both Bendis, Bendis and Johns? Johns, yet. That's like putting together the those Miami the, Heat. I mean, yeah, it's you know, dream Having LeBron James go join the Miami Heat when he was in his prime. <laughs> and it's just like that. You So Bendis didn't do an hour-long special on ESPN talking about... <laughs> I'm going to take my The WB tones. is taking this time yeah. to do a one-hour special. <laughs> I'm taking... I'm, yeah, it's on the CW. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's We've CW. preempted Riverdale tonight for a special Brian Michael Bendis review. <laughs> I'm taking my talents down to South Beach. <laughs> I'm taking my, my talents to La Jolla. 
Jim Lee and me are having dinner, and so we're going to do Wildcats. <laughs> Bendis brings Wildcats back to the DC universe. Death the Blow way. solo series. I know you guys have been waiting for Bendis' unique take on Death Blow. Here it comes. You've never seen Spartan look so good. <laughs> well, Jim Lee drew him in the first place, so it can't get much better, but now it's panned by Bendis. Spartan has something worth to say. <laughs> Worthwhile to say. So who's left at uh, at Marvel then? Who are their uh, top notch writers? Man, dude, in the stable? that's that that's a good question. Charles Soule might sure. have to come aboard as not come aboard, but come up to the top of the ladder. And you'll have to forgive me. Here. Is Greg Pak still around writing? Or um... gosh, dude, um, Greg Pak. I think he's 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 subbing in and out. I know he's doing the new Planet Hulk, Return to Planet Hulk. Oh, okay. He came back to do that because he did the original Planet Hulk. Sure. And then your next ones are Dan Slott, and Mark Wade. Dan Slott, Mark Wade. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Dan Slott's been doing a huge run on Amazing Spider-Man as a writer that's kind of getting close to Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man, but that's because they're doing three times a month. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't, he was sharing chores at that time, but ever since I went back to monthly, sure, you know, Slott's been through the whole Superior Spider-Man. It's almost interesting, like the 616 version of Michael Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis of Marvel, was Dan Slott. Dan Slott, wow. I mean, he did the whole thing of like, okay, there's a transition from Peter Parker to Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. He did the transition from Peter Parker to Doc Ock. Right. Back to Peter Parker. So a very kind of like mirror type of pattern sure. that Dan Slott's been following. So maybe Dan Slott's going to get, you know, the rest of Spider-Man. That just becomes his franchise once Bendis leaves. Well, and Nick Spencer too, right? Yeah. To some degree. That's true. Like, he did the Secret Empire. So maybe he'll get the chance to kind of fill in and go like that. Okay, now, you know, Nick, here's the ball. Run with it. Right. And, um... Chip Zdarsky, I, you know, um, doing Spectacular Spider-Man. That was a really lot of fun. But, uh, Chip Zdarsky, you know, he just kind of is the new kid on the block. Sure. Got a few more years probably before... Yeah, and Max Bemis has been, mm. you know, like they, okay, they gave him Full Killer. He did good with that. Yeah. And now he's got Moon Knight. And that first issue of him doing Moon Knight that came out this week was really impressive. So, oh, cool. you know, maybe they'll make him the Gerard Way of Marvel mm. type of thing, too, like that with the whole young animal thing going on at DC. Yeah. I think they were trying to copy that with Max Bemis over at Marvel. Let's get some of these, like, C-listers at Marvel, like Fool Killer and Moon Knight. Right. Like, Moon Knight's a character, once again, kind of like the Blue Beetle of Marvel. Sure. And so he's got a fan base, but nobody can, whatever reason, get him to take off. Even Bendis couldn't get Moon Knight right. to take off. Right, Warren Ellis, even. You yeah, know, Warren Ellis. You get these episodic flashes of success for him, but... Nothing long-term. Right. Character begging to be adapted into a Netflix series too, Moon Knight. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that that vibe is totally in the Defenders realm there. Yeah, and then and Bendis was the guy that could make anybody gilded. Mm-hmm. But Moon Knight, I would say, if there was anything during his tenure that people are kind of find forgettable during the Bendis era, it had to be Moon Knight. Wow, very interesting. And it's weird because you know Moon Knight's that character that you get the right person on him and he should blow up. Yeah, I bought that Warren Ellis uh, six issue relaunch mm-hmm. and then as soon as the creative team changed unfortunately i'm gone too you know you kind of gotta you know give it some legs yeah, give like it some legs yeah get some longevity is there any singular creator other than kirby that's been as influential in cinematic adaptation and bendis when you think about the way they created that avengers initiative in the first wave yes. or phase of marvel movies and then the overarching tone moving forward then you and then you look at the Defenders and the growth of that team on Netflix. Again, mm-hmm. Bendis' fingerprints are all over that, especially with Jessica Jones. Yes. Uh, can he bring that kind of power and magic to DC since they're kind of suffering from the, in the critical aspect as far as like fan response to their cinematic universe? It makes you wonder what kind of, what kind of stories is he going to write in the comics that are just destined or already designed to, to make it onto the screen. I think they hope so. Yeah. That may be part of it because Jeff Johns may have been failing at it. Sure. Because wasn't Jeff Johns brought into the cinematic side of DC like a couple years back? I'm not sure. I know that... Because I know like Rebirth was supposed to be his farewell to DC comic writing. Oh, is that right? And then they were, I thought, moving him over into the cinematic side of Well, I know he's a creative consultant on all of that stuff. Bendis, um, from what I understand, actually wrote a little piece of that first post credit scene in Iron Man when Nick Fury turns around and Sam Jackson, oh my god, that's the ultimate Nick Fury. Yeah. Like, Bendis had some creative con- consultation in that moment. And again, that's why I say moving forward in the cinematic universe, you see 
you know, even to the mention of Miles Morales, the subtle mention of Miles Morales in the, in the Homecoming movie, like, people were dying to get that taste of his Miles in this universe where yeah. we see him eventually pop up. And that's a new character compared to some of these other guys that have been around for 50-plus years. So for fans to be that hungry for a contemporary character, again, created by Bendis, it just goes to show that, you know, he's... He's kind of the heart and soul of, of Marvel's popularity yeah. in the last 15 years. I hate saying it. It's like it's almost like cutting off your leg. Oh, boy. I hate saying it. That right. sounds horrible. You could still move around. <clears throat> well, but, it's not uh, like Marvel chose to lose him. He has made no, yeah. it as far as I know, right? That's true. Yeah. I mean, he went on his own. And uh, I don't know. Like, there's going to be more to come out. It's going to be a fat check, DC Wave. It's going to be a really fat check that DC put in his face, man. They, they had to. Yeah. And here's something that kind of is completes speculation on my side. I wonder if DC was kind of had to react to the fact that Marvel and Fox or Disney and Fox have been negotiating to mm. have a merger. Wow. <clears throat> and they're saying like that, oh man, dude, if they get Fox, we have to do something to counterpunch that. Sure. We gotta, you know, take away their most creative creator because right. if they get the X Men and Fantastic Four back into Bendis' hands, right? There's a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, because Bendis turns once again, dude. That's the perfect way to turn Fantastic Four back to gold. Is as soon as Fantastic Four comes back to the Marvel Universe, you put Bendis on it. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? And he's already done X Men. He was the whole guy that brought back the old X Men to the present That's to bring true. back Jean Grey. Good grief! So right. he was already building the groundwork for. Yeah, an X-Men return. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four, you know, I'm almost positive they would put Bendis on that. Sure. If that came to be. And so DC says, man, dude, you know, what's the next best thing we can do to pull in new fans and then also protect against more loss yeah. in audience and creative development once Fox and Marvel figure this out? You know, what's interesting, too, is DC... Um, and, and that's is, all speculation. Sure. Uh, what's the what's the team DC's putting together that kind of mirrors the Fantastic Four with Plastic mm-hmm. Man and uh, Mr. Terrific? That's, the Terrifics? I think it is called? a terrific. It's something out of that Dark Knight's Metal right. storyline that's going to pop out of. So you have this blatant Marvel allegory mm-hmm. in a, on a DC, in the DC universe now, which I thought was kind of clever and fun. But to see that they're pulling Bendis over as well, not that he's going to work on that specifically, but it's very interesting that there is that idea of stealing from what's going on across the street, returning to their the old DC Marvel rivalry. Because that's a, a story Stan Lee tells a lot. Is, you oh, know, man. DC would go, well, man, what's going on over there at Marvel? They're blowing us out of the water. There's red on their covers. There's a lot of red. Let's put red on our covers. And then Stan would say... You know what, this month, no red on the covers. And it was just throwing those guys for a big loop in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, well, that's why Fantastic Four was created. Sure. Wasn't uh, Sam Goodman, is that the guy that was the original Marvel founder? Martin, the editor, Martin, 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 Martin Goodman. Goodman. Yeah. He playing golf. To, yeah. He came to Stan <laughs> and old said, story of, you know what, dude, we need a Justice League. Right. And that's where the Fantastic Four yeah, came Yeah, we need out a team of superheroes. And Stan Lee, at 40 years old, which I like to point out, mm-hmm. because I'm not quite yet 40, so my greatest creations are yet to that come. makes me feel old. Well. It's like that. I'm already three years older than Stan was when he created the Fantastic Four. Yeah, but remember where he was then at 43. That's the heyday. That is like the the, the silver age at its, at its zenith there, oh, as man. far as those Marvel books. Um or is that even the Bronze Age by then? Silver Age. Yeah. yeah right. uh, it, it, it's the zenith there where you're getting the uh, the Galactus story in Fantastic Four. You know what I mean? That's Daredevil was it until 64. Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, that was the, one of the last things he created. And yeah. Daredevil was looking at it, too. We've had uh, the movie. We've had right. three, almost going into the third Netflix season. Right. Yep. And it's just like that. Well, that was one of his afterthoughts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what if we had a blind guy? <laughs> We got a bug guy, I got a green guy, I got what's, a couple what, gods. What's with this Batman not being blind? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You know, I mean, it's like that was Marvel's Batman at yeah, that point. Absolutely. And he was the last thing to put in there. That's crazy. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like that that, last, he's more Batman than Bruce Wayne. Sure. That last first wave of, of Marvel characters, Daredevil kind of concluded the boom, this is our stable of superheroes right here, from the supernatural of Doctor Strange to the, the radioactive like the Hulk mythological like Thor, you know, practical, patriotic like Captain America. I mean, it was really a super comprehensive stable. Yeah. Every aspect of life 
covered. Yes, they're all middle-aged white men. We get that. But at the end of the day, they reflected different elements of the zeitgeist, the, the radioactive scare of the 50s and 60s, the, the mythological element that came with Thor, and the Silver Surfer's Shakespearean, you know, talk that literary stuff Stan really liked. Yeah. Uh, teenage angst with Peter Parker and the Human Torch. Just, But that's what DC's, I guess I hate saying it, has done, is they've poached... Marvel creators since that time frame. Well, sure, because they were struggling. By the th- when you you had this multifaceted or any creators, I guess you would say. I yeah. apologize. Like that. no, yeah, you you had multifaceted uh, characters at Marvel. Meanwhile, DC, I mean, if you were to present a script from a Justice League story, you wouldn't be able to tell Batman from Flash, from Green Lantern, from Hawkman, because they were all basically your grandpa mm-hmm. standing on uh, you know moral righteousness and doing it well. But you know, if they're fighting aliens or warlords or a dictator somewhere they were just all the same person with different power sets batman had a belt flash had speed superman was practically a god one you know hawkman had wings aquaman could swim i mean it wasn't the personalities that made them different like at marvel it It was was their powers powers. Mm -hmm. and therein it's less relatable yeah i think Uh, that's why i was always a marvel fan growing up over a dc fan sure and i mean yeah batman's a fun read because i love detective stories yeah but like that it's there was no connection to their personal lives. Sure. I mean, Clark Kent, you know, I, I was a journalism major, maybe because Peter Parker and Clark Kent were journalists. Ooh, listen to that, wow. And I didn't even think about that as a kid, but, you know, it's, um, other than that, that's the only thing I could relate to on Clark Kent. Right. You know I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't like a super athlete, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, the six foot five, 275 pound chiseled thing of muscle, right? Right, like Clark Kent was under that blue suit and that derby. <laughs> but like Peter Parker, five foot eight, five foot nine, you know, you. a little bit twiggy, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of normal every day, not the most popular kid, you know, kind of a little bit more caught up in science mm-hmm. and yeah. in some of the more intellectual things than you know trying to figure out which of the next cheerleaders he needs to well, he's the nerds with. nerd you know what peter yeah. parker was sheldon before sheldon oh exactly you know the socially awkward um he liked girls and like um you know the early incarnation and girls liked him yeah too. And girls kind of liked him oh, sorry, sorry. okay dude yeah, oh but, yeah they know they really did yeah <clears throat> but it was just the approachability factor and that's a very relatable thing I mean, mm-hmm. Spider-Man might, have be, might as well be called the Wallflower. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then Lois Lane pining over Superman. Right. Constantly. Right. Meanwhile, Clark's the struggling. You know, and the only difference between them is a pair of glasses. I know. You know, it's the physique is there. The face is there. The personality probably even is there. Yeah, Terry Hatcher and Kevin Elan's Saturday Night Live skits are my favorite skits of all time because of that. Remember that? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Where'd Kevin Elan go? It's like, Terry, I'm right here. You know, I just put on glasses to read this little poem I wrote for you. <laughs> Oh, Kevin, you wouldn't believe what happened. You disappeared for a minute, and there was some guy wearing glasses that was reading this piece of paper saying they're dedicating a poem to me. It's like, uh, Terry, that's me. Oh, Kevin, oh, man, okay. I'm so glad you're back. It's like, the, yeah, dude, how tropist are we? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, and it's just like, I uh, DC, I, I didn't even put this together until we're having this podcast right now. They, they, they've poached so much over history. Sure. And now the latest poaching is Brian Michael Bendis. Well, you know they had I mean? about, and what did they have? Jack from, Kirby from created all those characters in yeah. the 70s, and he was a Marvel mainstay for years. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Whoa, we're talking about the Kirby one, and they, they tried taking Stan Lee in the 90s. Stanley right. reimagines. Sure. And sure. that was a complete bust because DC doesn't, <laughs> you know, Stanley knows Marvel. Right, right. You know, John Romita Jr. poached from Marvel two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. How's that done for DC? Good Lord, man. This is a very slow. Yes, dude. This is the slowest Exodus. corporate takeover ever. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, that's the thing, too. I can almost guarantee you that when Marvel did The Heroes Reborn with Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld, what did DC do within the next two years? They pulled those guys. They bought they Wildstorm. Them. Yeah, they we got can't them. have Marvel take Jim Lee back and come back and go back and do right. You know, re- re- revitalize the X Men again. I mean, Fantastic Four. Unfortunately, lucky for DC, Jim Lee's reimagination of Fantastic yeah. Four 
and um, Iron Man was kind of a bust, and Rob Liefeld's reimagination of Avengers and Captain America is always going to (laughs) suck. No disrespect to Rob Liefeld, but, you know, for whatever reason, it's just... You're right, man. The original ideas don't come from that guy. Yeah, this has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it was Jeff Loeb working with them at that time. Right, right. So now it's like that, okay, Jeff Johns, when he was at Marvel... You know, he was writing Avengers before Bendis. Sure, absolutely. And then it's like that, man, dude, it's like that, shoot, dude, this guy's, you know, I mean, he was doing a good run on Flash. Right. And then Marvel signed him to do, you know, some stuff over there, too, and then he said, we can't lose this guy, we gotta lock him up. Sure, sure. We gotta give him the freaking, Who you, you know, the about here? Jeff Johns. Oh, okay, yeah, we, yeah, We gotta give him the whole freaking, like, kit and caboodle. It's yeah. like that, dude, whatever you want to do at DC, dude, it's yours, recreate our universe, and he was kind of... Give me a jam. He became the Bendis of DC. That's true. At Absolutely. that point. Yeah. Because, like, that was about the same time frame. Like, when Green Lantern Rebirth was coming out, and then, like, Flash Rebirth came out shortly after that. Yeah. You know, he reworked Booster Gold for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, he was given, like, the chores to, like, that, hey, dude, you know, make our universe something unified because that's what Bendis is doing over at Marvel. Sure. Now, what happens when you have those two guys in the same camp? you got Johns and Bendis side by side. Is there going to be a clash of egos there? That's the one thing I like about Bendis, dude. I don't think his ego is as large as... As his success. Yes. And as I said, too, like we talked about this, too, is like the one thing keeping Bendis from being Stan Lee is Bendis doesn't care about the spotlight. Interesting. Remember we okay. talked about like a previous podcast yeah. of like that. We're saying like, yeah, he's like kind of saying like that. You know, Bendis is not as flamboyant. Oh, yeah. He's not... Um, it's not bombastic. I, or, um, I, I think he likes the creativity. And that's sure. the whole thing and probably what this whole thing's about is like Bendis is going, what else can I really do with Marvel? Right. I love these characters. I created them. It's time to hand them off. And like there's so much more I can achieve. And before it was, as I said too, like I mean, I don't know how true this was, but a customer mentioned to me like yesterday is like that. How ironic is Bendis the guy that said he would never go work for DC and said DC stuff is... You know, can't touch what Marvel Did he say stuff that? does. I don't know how true that is. So you'd have oh, to look okay. that up for me. But I mean, I've that could be 20 years ago he said that. You never know. Exactly. And I've, I've never heard that until yesterday. <clears throat> and I don't really know whether Bendis would say that publicly or if was at a convention that he talked sure. to Bendis at or yeah. who knows. You know, but um, it's Bendis has been the corporate Marvel guy for 18 years, almost 20 years now. And it's just... That was like that. How, you know, I mean, how much more is DC gonna do that? I mean, DC did even in the seventies when they, you know, bought Charlton. You know, sure. they bought Shazam. Mm-hmm. It's like that. What are we gonna do to reinvigorate our, you know, universe? Is we got either bring in other people's characters, other people's creators. Yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of was intrigued by this new Dark Days metal spinoff is like it's dc creating new characters for the first time in years yeah and that's kind of like going wow dude that's that's kind of cool and you're like that that's kind of awesome and you know dc it's weird because i've never seen like a company that had such great traditional characters have this other company come along and just kind of own them for like a 40-year period Wow. You know, like kind of like more or less like not forty year period. Yeah, say, yeah, do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying well, that's like what that. I'm saying when you Marvel's that. better than DC, yeah. but it just feels like consistency. They've never completely rebooted their universe. Right, DC um, from thirty nine with the invention of Superman to fifty nine, let's say, um, you know, with with the recreation of the Flash and the, and the hearkening of the Silver Age. And I'm using these years loose, loosely, but they were pretty much the mainstay. Yeah, you know, even after. The McCarthy-esque uh, Well, Captain hearings. America was out of the picture for 15 years. Right, and that wasn't Marvel quite yet. That was timely. Yeah, that was a, but, you know, but those characters that were competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that were... The, yeah, Shazam yeah. buying Captain Marvel. That's what I'm saying. It's like that. They, so they that bought, you know, Shazam. And yeah. they bought well, the Fawcett... Like, not all the Fawcett characters. No, just, just Captain Shazam. Marvel because yeah. they had that lawsuit for a while that, gosh, Captain Marvel's way too close to... To Superman, Superman for this to be side by side on the stands, but yeah, DC was essentially the only big boy on the block. Other companies came and went during that period of time. Dell, Gold Key, that kind of stuff was successful. But well, DC was the big. original Disney. Yeah, they were yeah, yeah. sucking everything up. Yeah, and so now in the uh, the advent of Marvel in the early '60s with Stan Lee and Jack and all these guys, and it's really been they bought the Hanna Barbera property. Struggle since then. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yep. So. 
Well, and that's a Warner Brothers thing, yeah. too. I mean, that's a big umbrella thing at this point. So, yeah. you know, that's akin to, to Disney looking at Fox, uh-huh. you know. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, now that we're really unpacking it, you're right. DC, for the last 40, 50 years, has kind of been chasing in the, the shadow Marvel of Marvel. Age. Yeah, chasing the Marvel Age, and along the way, acquiring, buying, or shutting up properties and franchises and characters that come dangerously close to their own success. I mean, would you believe that the greatest American hero in the early 80s, that TV show, DC even looked at that show as a potential threat because wow. of how close that guy's was. Was Superman? Yeah. It was in the air of the Christopher Reeves Superman. Yeah. And here's a guy putting on tights and flying, and he's a handsome, common man like Chris Reeves. And it was like, that's, you know. And that was like, welcome back, Connor meets Superman. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah. It, 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 along the way, they've looked at the threats in their path, and they've been, you know, it's like uh, uh, Croc's mentality with McDonald's. Yes. They became less... Uh, his his when you watch that movie The Founder did you see I that I did that was quite a scary movie oh yeah because when okay. you think about it he became less of a burger salesman and more of a real estate guy yes that, that was insane the, right and that's, that's how he DC, took over yeah and that's what DC's doing they're buying, they're buying the estate. property literally mm-hmm. of Charlton Comics along the way Captain Marvel and stuff like that um, and acquiring these these characters mm-hmm. so well, that at the end of the day they hope to have more real estate than Marvel, and they'll well, just beat them out in in pure content, in the, the vastness of the, the land they cover. Well, the desperation move of bringing the Watchmen into the DC universe right. at the end of this year, which is desperate, in my yeah. opinion. Do but... you know what I mean? It's like that. What's like that? We own the property. Let's get it into our universe. Right. All due respect to Alan Moore and helping him make the Charlton characters somewhat cool. Sure. But we couldn't put those guys into our universe back then. Yeah. You know, so we got to change them up. And you, you, you rename these guys. That's no longer the question. That's Rorschach. Right. Right. That's no longer Blue Beetle. That's. Um, Owl Man. Owl Man, yeah. You know, like, that's no longer Phantom Lady, that's Silk Spectre. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's no longer the Peacemaker, that's the Comedian. Do you know what I mean? It's yep. like, but why didn't DC make those characters successful on their own? Do you mean, have they made a focus on the Peacemaker? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Has there been like, oh man, a hundred issue Peacemaker series? Right. Has there been a hundred issue question series? You know, They've tried, they tried, and I mean, Denny O'Neill, you know. Has there even been a hundred issue Blue Beetle series? Mm-mm. Do you know what I mean? No. And I'm saying, too, is like that you guys are like always trying to figure out like what's our next major Marvel product rather than focus on the characters that are there. Wow. Like, what can we do to get that Marvel audience? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think like that's finally what Jeff Johns has kind of come away from is like, let's make our characters as strong as they can be mm-hmm. and not focus on what Marvel's doing, but what can we do to make our characters as strong as possible? And who's the guy over at Marvel that made characters that nobody cared about strong? Right. Dude, let's get Bendis over here, dude. We got to do it. You know what? We, we made our all-stars. I made our all-stars strong. I made... You know, Superman strong. I mean, sure. Flash strong. I mean, he didn't do anything with Batman, really. I mean, he did that Earth One series for yeah, Batman, Jeff Johns. But right. Batman doesn't need help. You know, right. that's kind of like saying, hey, dude, uh, you know, it's like Spider Man needs some help over there. Right. You know, it's like Batman didn't need help since Jeff Loeb did Hush or Ed Brubaker came on the book. Sure. Or sure. Greg Rucka came on the book. Post No Man's Land. Yeah. Really, Batman's been. And probably then he's been steady. fine. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like, okay, cool, dude. Let's like. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it would almost be similar to like what, you know, like, okay, let's stop making Batman and make a new character like Owlman take over the same way that sure. in the 90s or I'm sorry, late 80s, Ford said, you know what, dude, the Mustang's nice, but let's put the Mustang on the shelf and make a Ford probe to eventually <laughs> replace the Mustang. Right. And what did that do? I mean, probe sales were great for a year or two, and then next thing you know, everybody goes, "What? You're getting rid of the Mustang? F that!" And Mustang right. sales exploded. Right. So, do you know what I mean? Imagine yeah. like DC saying, "You know what? Owlman's going to be our new Batman, and Batman's going to take a back shelf for a while." Sure. Batman sales would explode even more. Yeah. Type of thing. I want to revisit so, two things we've talked about real quick. The first is that um, DC has very subtly mirrored a lot of the trends that Marvel gets pressed for. For example. Mm-hmm. Jaime and Miles Morales being similar. It also brings to mind the success of Jessica Jones and Batwoman. Yes, oh, to for me, sure. there's a there's a through line there. Um, strong female lead. Not, yes. I mean, Batwoman obviously Dude, has the Bendis costume. Dude, that Batwoman would be sick. And people have speculated that. I read that this morning that there's some. You know, is he going to bring the uh, the essence of the Jessica Jones title to the Batwoman series? And yeah. it's like, you know, what? I think that only reveals that. 
a lot of the stuff he's been doing at Marvel, DC has very subversively either copied or or been doing as well. And it's going to take having a name like Bendis on it for it to pop and become like multi-media or cinematic worthy, you know? It's true. With the Batwoman, it would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's said too, there's so much he could do over at DC... But finding the right places for him is going to be the big question on sure. it. Sure. I yeah. mean, there's something that came to mind, too. Is like, the question. Oh, my God. That could be it. Yeah, I know. It's like, like <laughs> we just about the question. Maybe that's it, too. Like, these Charlton characters. Why can't we get the Watchmen to work, but why can't we get these Charlton characters to work? Sure. Absolutely. Dana said, too. We are just kind of hitting out a second ago. It was like, Watchmen was the coolest thing they ever did with the Charlton characters. Yeah, absolutely. Since unfortunately. Since owned them, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But for whatever reason, they couldn't get anybody to make these Charlton character works in the DC universe. Sure. Yet they worked better I mean, in the Charlton yeah, universe. Yeah, Danny O'Neill came close with oh. the question, you know, and um, Captain Adam, I guess, Captain had Adam. a little bit of a run where they tried making him into. Well, he's in the Justice League International, and he's kind of become a, a mainstay character as far as B or C list level goes. That's true. You know, he's in the uh, the the Jeff Loeb storyline. In the, the Batman Superman storyline, where Lex Luthor's president, kind of the undoing of that—that's yes. that was a big deal. Um, Justice League Unlimited, he's in there quite a bit as, as a general for the Justice League. So yeah, you get these little flashes for these guys, but you don't get long-running success. Yeah, it's really episodic and, and kind of unfortunate because those characters have legacies and histories too. And DC yes. kind of put a stint in what was happening with them, rebooted them into their own universe and interpretation they've been lost in the shadow of the big three or the big seven or however you want to look at it so and my bold prediction for bendis's first story at dc mm. is action comics 1000 getting a short story in there wow and uh two things they announced in the past month that action comics 1000 is gonna be a 39.99 hardcover holy crap really which is gonna make it extremely tough on comic shops to decide how many to order yeah, like that. Pre-orders. That's something it's that's be like a, what's a forty dollar hardcover. Yes, for the first presentation of it. How many pages? I, I can't remember how many pages. I'll have to look into that again. But my Good guess it's going to be at least like hundred and forty-four pages. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it'd be funny if it was like a thousand pages. No, well. <laughs> that's impossible, right? Thousand pages of Superman. We're doing every <laughs> one for one page from every issue. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> is. Unbelievable and, overkill, man. Good and yeah, grief. and if you're a subscriber to Action Comics, do you budget an extra thirty six dollars for that one month? And and how would Bendis do, or how would DC do the carrot? Bendis's debut story yes. takes place in Action Comics one thousand. Crazy speculation on that. Man. Wouldn't that be like Absolutely. an amazing way to make sure that book sells at thirty nine ninety nine? For sure. For sure, and you know, and think about the fact of like it's the it's a milestone issue, right? It's forty bucks, right? And it's Bendis's first story. That's crazy. It doesn't have to be the whole book, just a short story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're gonna and it, plus the thing like Bendis introduces a brand new Superman villain. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Something yep. like that. Hey, I got this great idea for a Superman villain that hasn't been done before. Sign up. Bendis to whatever he wants. Sure. Do you sure. know what I mean? Like, who knows what they'll do? Or a brand new character to the Superman universe right. makes their debut in Action Comics 1000. Yeah. We got a $40 price tag, we got Bendis, and we got the magic number that's never been done before. That is unbelievable. Plus the first monthly hardcover, the, right? Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's only a one-time thing. Yeah, but that's mean? what but, I'm saying, yeah, is the it's first time in the run. Of, it'd be the first time that comic book was 40 bucks cover price. Well, yeah. Like a standard issue. Right. And just, you know, back up the money truck to Bendis and say, here, dude, how about, here's a blank check. How much yeah. do you want, Bendis? Yeah. And, you know, how does how do comic shops prepare for that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, do we have to order 100 copies? Do we have to spend, like, $2,000 right. on one book if we're getting, like, an average of 50% off? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it's like that. Are we... It's, I mean, yeah, it's great. We get an extra... If it's fortieth, you know, if it's a hundred copies we sell, it's four thousand in revenue. Sure. But what if we don't sell that? Right. And how much does that hurt comic shops? How much does that help comic right. shops? Right. And it's such a gamble at that Co- price tag. Collector speculators on it because right. the print runs. How high is the print run going to be? Sure. Give me. Is there going to be ten thousand copies of that printed? Right. Do you know what I mean? That's. That's, when it's reprinted, what format will it be? Yeah. Will it continue in that hardcover format? Cover. Will it be soft cover? Will it have less content as a result? Yeah. I mean, to me, if you're going to do something like that, I guess you do the celebratory thing because you're reaching the, the, the coveted four-digit 
you know, it's a thousand, you know. Yeah. But like, why not just have the lead story as a separate floppy three ninety nine, five ninety nine kind of an issue? Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that is just nuts. Man. Yeah, and then have it be like nine ninety nine point five. It was like the lead into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. Or type of things like that. Hey, you know, pick up the 1,000 hardcover for yeah, more. Yeah. Or the 1,000A and the 1,000B type sure, of thing. It's sure. like that. Here's the main story from that hardcover. Yeah. And the rest is all filler stories. Well, I'm just saying like, Yeah, I can imagine. There's going to be like eight to ten other stories in there besides sure. the core story. There's probably going to be a little history of, you know, there's going to be some text and some images, mm-hmm. like almost yeah, essay the first style. Action Comics number one story. Sure, that'll be, be in there. there. It's 13 pages. Yeah. So that'll be in there. And at the end of the day, it'll be an important issue but with a price tag like that it's hard to know how many people will pick it up because they're genuine superman fans or interested in the potential collectability of it well the all-star um, cast of like creators on that book has got to be insanely common. sure sure I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised to not see john byrne come back and wow. do a superman story for the first time in probably 10 15 years so when's that coming out what number is um, actually they're on, now? on 989 right now I so we got about a year yeah out. So this time next year, the holiday season, appropriately enough, if not during the summertime. No, well, it's coming out twice a month. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're probably looking then at a... Uh, June, July. Yeah, of course, San Diego Comic-Con. Huge yeah. panel. Good God. Celebratory, festive atmosphere around Action Comics 1000, the longest running comic book in history. Good yeah, grief. Looking up on the Action Comics uh, number 1000 article on it, trying to see like where they... Um, announce the price on it let me see and just to double check to confirm on i guess they announced it during new york comic-con oh well that makes sense then they'll announce it in new york and then it'll probably be unveiled at a san diego and oh the new action comics logo wow that's cool new in here yeah we're looking at it folks it's like it's him (laughs) holding up the car yeah vintage but blue shadowed out yeah and that's i i would I would speculate that's a Jim Lee, uh, you know, they're targeting a Jim Lee style there just a little bit. Yes. So, And I said, too, it was like that. Um, I'm trying to figure out, just to confirm the price for you guys on it, but uh, Bendis. Uh, cool. Thank you. Oh, look at that. Yeah, we're moving up in the world just like the <laughs> I can. Uh, thank you. Cool, thank you. I can imagine um, we'll have a story in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I cannot. It's. Uh, not see that. Oh, there's a release date. Let's see what they say on there, too, for release date. Um, see what the projected release date on it is on it there. This is uh, the most compelling March, podcast. March 2018. Oh, okay, so oh, earlier than the uh, earlier than the con season Yeah. than I was uh, expecting there, yeah. Let me see here, too. Still want to see that confirmation of price. Because I said I don't want to give you guys false information. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time you heard false information nah. on the internet. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. Yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, hopefully there'll be a special $40 hardcover if that's really what they're doing. But then a separate single issue, you know, smaller price tag kind of deal. Like a three ninety nine, whatever story is their main story in there, just release it as an right. individual three ninety nine right. issue. And if the people want to buy both, more power to them. Sure. Yeah, $30 price. See, there will be two Action Comics. Oh, two Action Comics 1000s. A $30, 168-page hardcover. There you go. 168 pages. Not too far from let your speculation see. of 144. So. Yeah. Let me see what the bleeding cool put out this article. You heard it oh, here first, And folks. a $5.99 special. There you go, which that we already said. Okay, so everything we just hoped would come true has come true. come true. People yeah. were listening that already knew, and they were like, come on, guys. What are you talking about? So, excellent. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Yeah, it sounds like that. Uh, so, too, so that's good. So you got like that both thirty nine ninety nine. It says Bleeding Cool speculated. This is them speculating that Action Was One Thousand would be a bookshelf size volume as the most upcoming volumes collected nine ninety three to nine ninety nine, and from one thousand one to one thousand six. Wow! But man, dude, so five ninety nine for one hundred sixty six page comic. Floppy. That's pretty inexpensive. I think yeah. it's probably just going to be the one story that is not re- re- recycled material. Right. And, and, may, and maybe 1, some celebratory stuff a ton in the of back. recycled material. Yeah. Maybe some 
new stories in it that I could see, uh, are by creators. by artists or small essays. Man of Steel like number one maybe yeah. put in there too yeah. because that was, once again, talk about John Byrne, that was the oh, post-crisis sure. Superman yeah. era number one. Maybe Superman Secret Origins number one. Jeff Johns, reincarnation of Superman Perhaps, in there. Perhaps, yeah. I can't imagine. The new 52 Superman number one. Sure. You know, maybe in there. I can't imagine Mark Wade not having some involvement with it because he's such a Superman fanatic. So Yes, dude. You no. know, all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's going to be as exciting for forty or thirty dollars. I say thirty nine ninety nine before. That's what you said. Yeah. So, so I guess it's twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, twenty nine. So so thirty bucks still a big investment. Sure. But well, you uh, say a dramatic change from somebody that just spends three ninety nine on their action comics every month. Yeah. Or twice a month now, really. So, so from eight bucks to thirty bucks. Yeah. It's a, it's a leap. Yeah. a few other comics off of your your pull list for that for that month potentially. And then here's the thing too, is what's Marvel's answer to that that the month? Because you know, know, as that too, the punch counterpunch we were talking about earlier. Sure. Marvel's going to have something. Remember, like, when Action Comics was hitting 900? Mm-hmm. I like that. They did the whole thing of, like, Wolverine number 900. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't the 900th <laughs> issue of Wolverine. Then they did Deadpool 1000. Right. What's the number, you know? So yeah. Marvel's going to have something planned for that month sure. in March. And I know they're doing that 16 week Avengers storyline. <laughs> That starts in January. Here's what I would suggest Marvel do, mm-hmm. and this is uh, almost Deadpool-esque with that issue 1000, but in the vein that it's all connected, they like to say that, it's all yes. connected. And early in Marvel Comics run, you'd have so-and-so guest starring in that title and so on. Add up every issue of Marvel ever made. Yeah. And it's number, you know, 10,343. And it's just Marvel Comics issue that, and it's everybody's in there. And that's what they put out that month. Something silly, um, you know, Nuff said, Deadpool Point, that's just saying Nuff said, and it's Marvel, yeah, like you said. uh, Yeah, Marvel All Comics. (laughs) Yeah, Marvel All Comics, Omni Comics, whatever, Omnibus. And it's issue, uh, you know, 77,562 or something yeah. like that. Just a random number. But that totals every issue that's ever been published as Fantastic Four number one. Yeah. And it's all connected. That would be the the mentality behind it is we're going to take a pause in our usual monthly storytelling to just reflect on how it's all connected with this singular issue featuring everybody. Yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> and it, but it, it's interesting. I said, too, I was uh, just uh, philosophizing in the back of my mind, too, about the impact of... Bendis leaving DC or Marvel to go to DC, the the creativity that Brian Michael Bendis brought to Marvel, can I compare that to any other type of industry that's seen something like this? Right. And the first thing came to my mind. I'm sure you guys always hear me make car references because as a kid I used to want to be a car designer and study the cars as much as possible, like inside of ads, car driver, motor trend. Just I was fascinated with cars as much as I was fascinated with comics as a kid. Sure. And. uh in the 19, I think, 80, 81, um, the father of the Mustang, Lee Iacocca, mm. left Ford to go to Chrysler. Okay. Yeah. And that was like a huge auto industry news exodus of like that. What? Lee Iacocca, the father who created the Mustang and, you know, more or less helped Ford create a whole new era right. of enthusiasts. You know, I mean, that was Ford's answer to the Corvette. Mm-hmm. over at Chevy at that time. It's like, let's make an affordable Corvette. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Something that's a, a roadster, you know, a convertible. It's four seats rather than two seats. It's got a, someone that wants a Corvette to be able something to afford yeah. in our Mustang. And pony cars were born. I mean, sure. there was no pony cars before Ford Mustangs. It created yeah. a whole new class of cars, Camaros, Firebirds, um, Javelins, Barracudas, Challengers, that was all to the rest of the industry's answer to Lee Iacocca's creation. Sure. And when he went to Chrysler, he created the K-Cars, which were like the Dodge Aries. Um, let me see, to the Plymouth Volaris, you know, stuff they, they they stopped making Volaris and Dodge Aspens, and mm-hmm. it became like the Aries. Yeah. And that was yeah. kind of the replacement for that classic car. And it was a more compact, you know, um, economical four-cylinders, V6s, better gas mileage. And unfortunately, they were good for about maybe a five-year window, but they flopped. Sure. And it's like, we're going to see that same type of thing happen. I hope it doesn't happen with Bendis. 
but like certain things are, you know, your peanut butter and jelly with one company. Sure. But then all of a sudden it's peanut butter and pickles somewhere else. Right, right, Do you know right. what I mean? Like John Romita Jr. is doing that struggle right now with DC is like that. You know, they put him on Superman first right. thing. Right, that was the other thing I, I mean? wanted to mention they, they, is, yeah, that big... Jeff that, Johns and Jarmina Jr. on Superman. Right, it's going to be a big deal, but... Does anybody remember the name of that story? Some blonde-haired kid from another dimension sure. transferred over, similar to Clark Kent type of thing. His right. family's world was that, you know... get that new power, the, the solar flare or whatever that Superman can do now. It exhausts his, his energy, but... I mean, I mean that's, that's it. That's always forgettable, yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then All-Star Batman. You know, he worked with Scott Snyder on All-Star Batman. And, right. Uh, I mean, I remember Court of Owls, you know. Sure. Focus on that story is like being a great Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder. Right. Ironically, Greg Capullo kind of was a John Romita Jr. disciple a little bit. Sure, when sure. He first started. Yeah. And But for whatever reason, John Romita Jr. hasn't translated very well at D.C., same with Adam Kubert when Adam Kubert left Marvel to come over to DC. Adam right. Kubert's back in Marvel now. Sure. Andy's doing well. Sure. But for whatever reason, Adam wasn't feeling the creative love for those characters at DC as Just much as he thought it would. Yeah, and I Marvel guess that's artists versus writers. Yeah, but, but there there is a certain Marvel method to the writing, to the drawing, and everything. I mean, how to draw comics the Marvel way, and then the Marvel method to writing and stuff like that. There's a certain energy and tone that's vibrant at Marvel Comics that doesn't necessarily translate over to DC. And, I mean, I think the door swings both ways. You really can't... I mean, Century was supposed to be Marvel Superman. Mm -hmm. They realized that we're lacking this this, this, this all-powerful moral compass, and so they tried to retcon him into Marvel history. It really didn't work. I mean, he's a great secondary character but he certainly didn't become the stable yeah. character that I think they thought he could be and Hyperion they've been trying to do the same thing with him recently Absolutely. Too. it's just like they like we got Superman he's called Hyperion but sure. they Moon Knight they being kind of work. the answer to a, a Batman, Batman it doesn't, doesn't really work, work you know what I mean so another thing is Marvel has no um, successful uh, with the, uh, Bucky is the exception, but a sidekick. Oh, that is happen. an exclusive DC culture thing. Yeah, it's teams. That doesn't. Yeah, teams is pretty much a DC mm -hmm. thing. I mean, Marvel has, of course, Avengers, Fantastic Four, X Men. But, but but sidekicks don't. I mean, Power Man and Iron Fist are equals. Right, do right, you right. Know what I mean, it's yeah. like that. There's they they can do the pairs, but they the sidekick thing. You know, sure, one yeah. one being the mentor and one being the follower. You know, right. it was just Cap and Bucky, and that was it. Right, pretty much. Said. And now they're peers. You yeah, know what I mean? Peers so, too. Yeah, there are interesting tropes of both companies that really don't translate. So if Bendis were to go over to to DC, when he goes over to DC, if here to try to you know incorporate some of those, there isn't really a group in the DC universe that's as ostracized as the mutants are. Oh yeah, you know, and that that's brings a lot of interesting energy. So if you were to try to create that ostracized group of superheroes or whatever, and they tried it with the Outsiders, no. and, you know, there's been that play. Uh, of, you know, these people, these particular heroes or whatever don't fit in, they're outsiders, they're different. At the end of the day, if there's a crisis, Superman's standing right next to Katana and, yeah. you know, and, and Metamorpho. Yeah. yeah, everybody's going to be a part of the Justice League. So the, yes. <laughs> you know, you get the, the honorary badge and you get called up to the satellite when something crazy happens. And that's just not the case at Marvel, you know what I mean? They yes. tried, The Illuminati was something interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but that really, that's a concept that kind of came and went, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, it makes you wonder, though, too. Uh, I thought about this recently. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you're including the television side, I believe now all of the, well, the, with the exception of Professor X being a, a Fox property, all of the Illuminati are now present. Like, you have Black Bolt now in the oh, Illuminati. Nice, yes. So it, would there ever be the possibility of a couple of years from now having these characters get together and be a true, like Reed Richards and Professor X are the two that are, that are excluded. Yeah. Other than that, with the introduction of Black Bolt, you now have Namor. the potential, well, I guess, no, no more either. Okay, so this well, theory is completely they, gone. So they can't, oh, because Namor is a mutant, they're saying on that still? I don't know, uh, well, Fantastic Four, I think. Yeah, because so, like he was from the whole World War II era. Right, but I think his reintroduction in Fantastic What's, Oh, that's Four, right, I see, so it's like a Marvel Yeah, era. it's more of a Fox thing. I see. Yeah. Okay, well, I take that back completely. There is really no Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought the no. introduction of Black Bolt created this interesting dynamic where here's somebody that's Illuminati-worthy yes. on the television side, and uh, will we ever see him stand side-by-side, side, you know, with Iron Man or whoever else, just to kind of get that that vibe yes. of, wow, these guys are 
and uh, I was like, uh, nothing, something else has popped in my head too about the whole, um, I think we, we touched on earlier about the Flashpoint impacts on the DC universe. Sure. Like where Cyborg was never part of the Teen Titans. Right. And Starfire never was part of the new Teen Titans. And I'm trying sure. to figure out like that, was like theorizing there's what era of those seven years Superman never died. Right. Barry Allen never died. Batman never had his back broken. Is that right? I don't know. Oh, because, I, don't know. I mean, like, in that seven-year window, what all disappeared? Was it everything from, like, do you know? Because I was kind of thinking of, like, talking about creators. A lot of stuff that Marv yeah. Wolfman created doesn't exist in the DC. If you're going a literal long. seven years, is that 1985 to 1992? that's when all of that stuff basically happened, right? Maybe. That's because, a literal seven years. Because they never touch on Cyborg being a member of the new Teen Titans in the wow. 52, right? That's and then Starfire know, yeah. was with the Red Hood and the Outlaws, but they referenced the fact that she had the relationship with Dick Grayson. Sure. And also, theory too, Jason Todd still died right. at the hands of the Joker and became the Red Hood. Right. But that was after the crisis. True. So, yeah. like, that's something, too, is, like, that DC really needs to clean up. Sure. Is what's part of your history and what's not part right. of your history in that seven year window that they said in Rebirth was taken at a time Sure, and you have to you know if this was running linear all the way up into Flashpoint you know clean up that continuity maybe that's what Bendis is supposed to do a little bit Sure, it's like Could that yeah. you know let's explain like why Cyborg was never in the new Teen Titans sure they, you know because you said that Kid Flash never became Wally West Flash. Right. You know, Wally West never became the Flash. It was just Kid Flash when he stuck in the time stream. Yet Cyborg was never new Teen Titan. (laughs) Right. And Marv Wolfman created the new Teen Titans and wrote Crisis. Sure. Yeah. And so did you just take out like that creativity? Just remove Marv Wolfman from continuity. Yeah. I was just kind of thinking, (laughs) going, wow, dude, how crazy does that sound if that's what kind of happened here wow, that's but then nuts. like and the thing too is like well, wait a minute that, that we were talking about this yesterday too at the store which was a lot of fun is like how's Nightwing fit into this whole picture sure because Nightwing became Nightwing after quitting the Teen Titans and during the Judas contract hmm. which was in the 40s issues the fourth year of New Teen Titans sure okay so Tara never died because she was in the new rebirth New Teen Titans Judas um, oh man, like that. Uh, it wasn't a Judas contract. What they call it when Destro got the Speed Force? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, dude. But they um, they did um, the Lazarus contract. Oh, okay. they called it because he was trying to bring back his son who died in New Teen Titans number two. Oh, I see. Ravager, the first Ravager. Yeah. And then Terra, who's been dead for years, was all of a sudden never dead. Do you know what I mean so? That's the thing too. Is like. Marvel, as much as people complain about their reboots, it's not that hard to follow their universe. Oh, no. It's been pretty linear. That's why I say it's all connected from Fantastic Four number one. It's pretty darn linear, whereas, yeah, DC is... And as much as Jeff Johns has cleaned up a lot and trying to fix it, they haven't. And Bendis has been shelling 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) And... And Venice is told 18 years of linear storytelling, of building it on top of each sure. other. yeah. And being the think tank behind that, even though, like, Hickman's wrote some of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mark Miller's wrote some of it. And, you know, Jason Aaron's wrote some of it. Jonathan Hickman's wrote part of it. Yeah. But it's all built off of Bendis's first laying the groundwork since House of M. Sure. Going forward. Uh, that's a great place to kind of put a pin in this one, and uh, there's going to be a lot more news development, I yes, think. Yes, and that's so, what maybe DC's trying to do here. It's like, yeah. we need to get this ironed out. Yeah. Heard better the guy to do it. Yeah. Iron, iron Man. Exactly. Everybody? Yeah, well, Bettis <laughs> is out of the iron now. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let's yeah. wrap it up by saying you could visit. Ken keeps talking about these great conversations they have at the shop. You can swing by the shop anytime if you're in the Metro Phoenix area. Drawn to Comics is in downtown Glendale, where we are right now, eating at Bitsy Mama's. Delicious. Yes. That's the two bacon galore. <laughs> drawn to Comics.com. At Drawn to Comics on Instagram. <laughs> at Amazing AZ Comics for my stuff. And go to YouTube. Casbro Productions is where you'll find Phoenix Tonight, my talk show, and Kirby for a day. There's a lot of plugs there, a lot of entertainment, hours of entertainment yes. for you. Okay. Uh, so that's courtesy Ken Brown and me. My name's Russ. My name's Ken. And we are Drawn, Drawn to Comics. Comics. Thanks.